the twenty-fifth day of the month. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me. John 17, verses 20 through 23. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6. For the next four days, we consider in turn four characteristics of the church set forth in the Nicene Creed. We believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Today, we pray for the unity of Christ's church. In the face of the practical realities that the world can plainly see, it seems absurd to affirm that the church is one. The body of Christ on earth suffers more divisions than we can count. Just when it seems that one fracture has been mended, another erupts. Taken together, our disagreements cause the world confusion at best, and at worst, scorn mixed with laughter. Therefore, prayer for the unity of the church is an urgent task for all Christians, and in our praying, surely we must ask, what have we and the congregations of our heritage contributed to the disruption of unity? What have we contributed to mutual understanding and progress toward unity? Opening Prayer As you are one, O God, make the people of your new covenant one. Help us to distinguish between what you deem to be essential and what we find to be merely convenient and comfortable. Strengthen us for the hard work of overcoming differences we have wrongly held and cherished for generations disagreements that undermine our efforts to share the gospel message of reconciliation. Bind up the wounds of your church and make it truly one body, through Christ who is its head. Amen. Psalm 133 How wonderful, how beautiful, when brothers and sisters get along. It's like costly anointing oil flowing down head and beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon, flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes, that's where God commands the blessing, ordains eternal life. From the prophet Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 13 through 26. Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth in the joyful shouting, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders hurry. Your destroyers and devastators will depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All of them gather together. They come to you as I live, declares the Lord. You are surely put on them as jewels and bind them on as a bride. For your waste and desolate places and your destroyed land, surely now you'll be too cramped for the inhabitants, and those who swallowed you will be far away. The children of whom you were bereaved will yet stay in your ears. The place is too cramped for me. Make room for me that I live here. Then you will say in your heart, Who has begotten these for me? 
since I have been bereaved of my children, and am barren, an exile, and a wanderer. And who has reared these? Behold, I was left alone. For where did these come? Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations, and set up my standard to the people, and they will bring your sons in their bosom, and your daughters be carried on their shoulders. Kings will be your guardians, and their princesses your nurses. They will bow down to you with their faces to the earth, and lick the dust of your feet, and you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. Can the prey be taken from the mighty man, or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? Surely, thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty man will be taken away, and the prey of the tyrant will be rescued. For I will contend with the one who contends with you, and I will save your sons. I will feed your oppressors with their own flesh, and they will become drunk with their own bloods with sweet wine. And all flesh will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob." From the letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and work miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident. For the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. From the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 46. The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Then went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. The people saw them going, and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate. It's already quite late. Send the way so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and spend two hundred denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go, look. And when they find out, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them to all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. 
And he took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up twelve baskets of the broken pieces, and also the fish. There were five thousand men who ate the loaves. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Bethsaida, while he himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. These are the readings of the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thursday's Prayer God, your glory calls your people to adoration daily. Guide and inspire all who plan and who will take leadership in the worship of our congregation when again we gather in prayer on the Lord's Day. To musicians, lectors, preachers, and all others, give a full measure of your Holy Spirit, that they may glorify not themselves but you. Prepare my heart and the hearts of all your people to receive their ministries with joy and gratitude to you and extravagant generosity toward others. This we pray through Christ the Risen One. Amen. From the Methodist Handbook of Prayer for 2023, written by Sally Dick, a bishop in the United Methodist Church. O God of light and hope, we in the United Methodist Church are walking an uncertain pathway not knowing where it will lead for us as a church. We lament that our differences have become dividing for some, yet we know that throughout our salvation history there have been times when uncertainties have resulted in unexpected opportunities and directions. Help us who stay United Methodists recommit to making disciples of Jesus Christ, to strengthen our relationships with our ecumenical partners and care for our neighbors near and far. Give us eyes to see the hidden treasures in those along our path and guide our feet into the ways of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. The full version of the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. Amen.